Welcome back to another episode of the Statues Podcast. I have my co-host with me, Crystal. And on today's episode, we're going to jump right into a clip. You know, you should think of the word as, de- of depre- as uh, sorry, of depressed as deep rest. Deep rest. Your body needs to be depressed. It needs deep rest from the character that you've been trying to play. As you can tell from just that clip, today's episode is going to be about mental health again, and I think more specifically depression. Um, both you and I, we've suffered from depression for quite a bit now. Mm-hmm. But um, when coming across that clip, I think something that resonated with me was the way he broke it down. Mm-hmm. The way he broke down depression as deep rest and And what really resonated with me from that was deep rest from the character that we are playing. And I'm not saying that like we're putting up a front or we're we're fake to who we are, but this person that we have to be, sometimes you need a break from that. Yeah. And I felt like, personally for me, I felt like I could resonate with it because during the hardest times, I had to be someone for other people. Mm-hmm. And so that meant I couldn't, I couldn't show fear. I couldn't show my sadness. I couldn't, I couldn't be the vulnerable kid that was inside. I had to be this tough guy because, you know, for for my for my situation, I had to be this tough guy for you and your sister. Mm-hmm. And so him saying deep rest from this character that you're playing was, it hit me really hard because truthfully and honestly, I did need a, I did need a rest from being that guy. Mm-hmm. And moving moving last year was the first time in a very long time that I think I got that rest that I didn't have to be strong that I didn't have to put up a front put up a wall anymore yeah and I think that was the first time for you as well to finally see everything kind of just crumble onto the floor I think now more than ever, especially with this pandemic and, and the, the time that people get to themselves, depression is something that needs to be broken down in this way where people can understand. Yeah. I don't know about you, but like for me, hearing how he broke it down comforted me. And the comfort was. Something of, I want to say the comfort was something that I needed. I needed someone to understand my situation instead of telling me, oh, you need to be this way and you need to be that way. You need to be, you you know, like. Like telling you that you should be strong and that everything's going to be okay. You know? Yeah. Sometimes you need to be told that. Yes, it's going to be okay, but not in a way where, like, it's, 
it's like so like structured and forced. Yeah. For the first time in a long time, I got that comfort of just being okay with being a little broken. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm not saying that my situation is bad, but I'm, uh, but I've also learned that you can't compare other people's situation to yours because what they go through is just equally as bad. What you've gone through is just as bad. And not many people tell you that, that you don't have to compare all the time. It's true. You know, like I, I heard it when we were with your mom. Oh, you know, I was like this and, and what you're going through is irrelevant and, and it gets to you. It gets to you to a point where it's like, is, is that right? Yeah. No, no, I understand that. It, it almost feels like they're invalidating how you feel saying that you're not allowed to feel that way because you haven't gone through how, like you haven't gone through what I've gone through. You haven't dealt with what I've dealt but the situations are two different situations. But even if they're the same, there are different ways of dealing with it rather than telling someone they're not allowed to. Yeah. I think that was the the hardest part, right? Because my depression was broken down into like phases of it being like uh, stronger than it was the previous time. Right? Mm-hmm. My depression came from me not understanding certain things. So at first, it was when your dad passed away. To me, that was the first time that someone of heavy influence in my life had passed away. And then so it started there. But it was very mild at that time because there was still the, there was still, I had a way to cope with that. But then the next one came when, um, I guess, like, I moved in. And then um, your mom left. And then that was the second time where I think that was when I felt the weight of the shoulder, uh, the weight of the world on my shoulders. Mm-hmm. Because now I had to take care of a 12-year-old and I had to take care of you. Mm-hmm. And... I think that's where the depression really started to hit because that was when I first started getting insomnia. I couldn't sleep anymore. And there was always something on my mind that I didn't know how to deal with those thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then it got to a point where I think your sister was in high school and now she needed us but she needed us in a way that you and i we weren't prepared for no it's because you know what i feel like we were raised so differently from how she was like you know like she has more like her friends had more of an influence on how she did acted and said rather than you know for us we we only had our families so so that was like what was different and so hard for us is because of the influence, like the different kinds of influences. Yeah. And especially at that time, 
especially at 12 and 13 and 14 years old, what she needed was parents. And I think that was the hardest part was we had to play both roles of being big brothers, big sisters, and um, parents. We had to guide her through, I don't want to say her demons, but I want to say her maybe like experimental phase, her rebellious phase. Uh, I guess we could just call it like the growing up phase. Yeah, the growing up phase. Yeah, that's perfect. We had to guide her through that growing up phase without your mom. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the hardest part because you and I, we were still kids. Um, no, no you know what? That was really hard. I just, it, it's like you said, we weren't prepared for it. No one told us. And we were still kids in our own ways too. You know, like we, we still had that innocence of, of, of life. And this is no way in us saying that, um, we blame her because I don't. If anything, I'm very grateful that uh, I had to be. I had to be a big brother and uh and a father figure for her, because it helped me grow to be a lot more respectful and it helped me grow to be a lot more um introspective. To understand a lot more than what I was built to understand at that time. So I'm very grateful. I think when just talking about depression, these are things that we ourselves are not aware of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not aware of these things. And so when facing these issues, they become something that is menacing to us. Going through everything that we had gone through, I can, I can say now as a 28-year-old, I understand that not all children are going to be the same. Raising a child comes with a lot of love and a lot of understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where my depression came from was because at 22 and 23 years old, I don't have that understanding and I don't have that kind of love. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, I'm not built for that yet at that time. my, My circumstances that were around me weren't built for that. Yeah, I guess like, you know, like the way you were enjoying life, the way you were living it, you weren't prepared to love somebody else like that unconditionally. Like your heart wasn't prepared to love that many people at such a short amount of time in such a big way. I think that's why like the depression hit so hard it's because you weren't expecting it and then you had to do it. You know, you had to be, you had to love that person unconditionally, regardless of if they hurt you, if they did something wrong, or if they did something that we ourselves didn't agree with. Yeah. And this is where, um, this is where when we talk about love, it is very, um, it's a very uh, difficult conversation because I think at that point, you and I knew I think I think at the point when your dad passed away was the point where you and I, we looked at our relationship seriously and, and asked ourselves, is this forever or do we stop here? And that was it. Yeah. At that time, I was only in grade 11. So I was just 17. Mm-hmm. I was just 17 when my dad passed away. It's not that I didn't think about our relationship. 
I was just in such a deep depression in this like bubble of like trying to like figure out what was going on because the only thing I remembered from my dad's funeral was nothing. Mm-hmm. Like I couldn't feel anything. I couldn't think anything. I think even to this day, like I haven't grasped it. Yeah. In a sense where like, it wasn't a, that I was questioning our relationship. It was just more so. I think the relationship was on the back burner for you. Yeah. I, I think what I meant by that was I had to ask myself if I wanted to take the next step. Because I knew that the next step here, the next step at that point was going to be, if I take this step, I know that she will be mine. And I will have to commit to this for the rest of my life. And I knew that. Deep down inside, somewhere, I knew that. Maybe, I, don't, I don't know, maybe it was the way, you know, my, my grandpa and my, my dad were. But knowing that your father passed away, I had to ask myself, do I stop here and let them deal with this on their own and, and let her eventually find someone else that can help her? Or do I take this step with her, hold her hand through it all and commit the rest of my life to this woman? And so when I did take that step and, and, and I held your hand through everything. I wasn't aware. I too wasn't aware of the fact that holding your hand meant holding your sister's hand as well. Mm-hmm. And so that was extra weight that I had to learn to love, learn to hold, and learn to guide. And it became double the pressure because if uh, it was like when your dad passed away, I knew what he wanted for his daughters. He had always said it to me when we were talking, what he wanted for his daughters. So I knew that if I took that step and, and I committed to this relationship, that I could not throw away what he wanted and I had to continue to help you and your sister down the road that your your dad wanted you guys to go down. The road of being better than them. The road of finding true love and understanding the love that your father had for your mother. And so these are things that I always had to keep in mind. And I think that pressure just started to build up on my shoulders to a point where you know, it it did feel like there was something on my back. It, it felt like there was a demon all the time on my back, mm-hmm. like sitting on me. And I could feel that pressure everywhere I went. And then it got to a point where my depression led to your depression. Because you could see my depression. You could see how much it was taking a toll on me. You could see how much it was taking a toll on me financially, physically, emotionally. And there there were things that I I just couldn't control anymore at that time. Yeah. I think that's why for the longest time, I, and I'm not blaming your depression. 
like absolutely not i think for me personally it's that because i saw it our relationship was in a bad place because it it wasn't that i didn't trust you i i did and i still do but i think it was me trying to figure out how could i fix it you know like at that time too you know like we had we had like our parents well not yeah our parents you know talking about marriage you and i were talking about getting married but to me it's like is marriage going to be able to solve it because i saw what my parents marriage was like yeah it didn't solve anything and i think that's where our depression went down a deeper hole because when we started looking at things we started looking at things on two polar opposite sides it was the same side it was the same coin but we both looked at it from opposite sides where you looked at marriage from your parents perspective and i looked at marriage at my parents perspective my parents got through their hardships together um i remember when things were very rough with my parents and their marriage but they got through it and so i had always looked at marriage in that light where together we can get through it but i knew that your view on marriage was starting to become very misconstrued because of your mom and you physically living in that situation seeing that situation and then you know and this is where uh our relationship got heavy. This was a point in the relationship. I think this was maybe like what? Three three years, four years in already? Yeah. Three to four years in where it really got heavy. You know, like... <clears throat> I viewed marriage as... It wasn't a bad thing, you know? Like, because I know that it can bring good. It's just when you see the people you love and care about fight so much like that yeah and then you start taking on some of their attributes it's almost frightening the thought that that i myself could end up like that i think that's why like i avoided the whole marriage talk you know getting like us being together like i knew that we would be together eventually i just i think because of how I viewed it, I pushed it off as as much as I could. You pushed it off because it became a negative aspect and it became a negative connotation when you looked at what your parents became because of marriage. So I understood that. But I think that's why it became heavy was because at that time, you and I, we were so self-indulged in our own depression that we couldn't come to a middle a middle ground of is there something that you and I we can both come to terms with because for me when I looked at marriage marriage is something of um, so when when I asked you to marry me was because when I looked at marriage I looked at marriage as something of a safe haven for you that if you married me, your mom could no longer verbally abuse you. Because now as your husband, I can step in and I could protect you. 
and I can protect your sister a lot more than if I was just your boyfriend. And so that's kind of where I was coming at with this whole marriage thing. But I knew, I knew that for you, marriage was something that was a very hard topic. And I think eventually it became harder when your mom started becoming a part of that talk. And, and that's when marriage for me and for you now became totally off limits. I, you know, like, and this is why, like I say is depression comes in many forms. But it took me a long time to figure out what love really was because of how misconstrued um, how misconstrued love was for me growing up. And this is kind of where um, I want to play a clip because I feel like a lot of people need to hear this. Love is not a feeling. I'm watching too many movies. Just, just I feel, I feel something. That's not love. Because let me tell you, love is what you do in spite of what you feel. Love is fighting for the good of someone else, even if they never see the value or the sacrifice that you did to get love to them. Love is what Jesus did on that cross, and love didn't feel good. He wasn't on the cross about, man, this is so refreshing. Man, the way they put that nail in there, boy, oh man. Love sometimes hurts. We don't understand the depth of the love that we are recipients of because in our minds, we can't really comprehend the level of pursuit it took to get so a reason why I brought that clip up was because I think I came to a really early realization about what love was. Growing up, we are taught that love is as simple as what Disney has made it. Love is as simple as what movies have made it throughout our entire childhood. But the first but for the first time ever, I had to look at you. I looked at you during our roughest moments and realized you loved me. You loved me and I could tell now because I remember the night that I thought about this. We had a big fight. We had a big fight about this because... I think it was what, something that your mom was saying about us getting married. And then so, that night, I couldn't sleep. And I thought, is all of this worth it? Is all of this pain and this sacrifice that I've made for this family worth it? If all she's ever going to see is just... A guy with, that has nothing. And then I thought about you and how much you'd love me to put up with all of it as well. And so that was the first time that I had realized that love was, love is painful. Love is very sacrificial. It was never a 50-50 game. You give me 50%, I'll give you 50%. It was never about that. It was about how much are you willing to hurt 
before the other person is willing to understand and then hurt to help you stop hurting. And so in doing so, it helped me realize a lot of things that I guess pushed us past that rough block. But another part of what helped push it was the birth of your baby sister. Because that was the first time where in my head, you went from being a child to being a mother. And I saw it. And I knew then that it wasn't that you weren't a mother for your uh, your middle sister. It wasn't because you were. But your relationship with your sister there already was defined for a, a period of time where you were her older sister. And she was always going to see you as that. But this time it was different. This time, you know, I saw you. And I saw you as someone that was very different. Someone that I had never seen before in my life. It was like re-falling in love. Falling in love with the pain, the sacrifice, the, the, the new part of you. And that was when, you know, I'd come to terms with our situation that we were currently in. You know, sometimes I think about depression. And I think she was our saving grace. She was the saving grace for the both of us. That's why our relationship was... Our relationship at the time was in shambles. But she was the first building block that started to rebuild that wall for us. And this time when it was built, it was built very strong. I look at... I look at love now as something extremely different than I had when I was 22 and 23. We are now... I'm not saying that we're not depressed. We're still both very depressed. We're just learning to deal with this now. We, we, we are given the time to deal with it. But I think now more than ever, we are given the time and the place to grow as well. Away from everything. Your baby sister taught me what it was like to be that person again that I couldn't be anymore. It's exactly like Jim Carrey says, you know, like you play a character for so long and you get lost in that character. And I was lost for a very long time. I had no idea who I was, but I think it was your baby sister and the birth of her that allowed for me to be me again. The, the truest form of who I really was. That was the first time in a very long time that it was a very big 
breath of fresh air for me. I don't know about you, but for me, it felt great. For me, it was the first time that I think I felt true. I think when, you know, my my baby sister was born, it put a lot of things into perspective because I got to see the other side of you just like you got to see the other side of me. And it gave me a new meaning to life. You know, it, it, it gave me someone else to want to work hard for and to love. Because it's not that I didn't love you. Just things were so hard that sometimes I just didn't want to think about it. You know? And I think, I think that's where the relationship became dest- destructive. Was we were both so depressed. Before, before your baby sister, we were both so depressed because of the characters that we had to play. But in playing those characters, when we take that mask off. Just tired. Yeah, it's exhausting. It was very, very, very exhausting. It was so exhausting that there were times where I would leave Friday, go spend it at a hotel Friday, Saturday, Sunday, come home Monday, just so that I could breathe for a little bit. And, you know, like, these are things that in a relationship, break a relationship, is the ability to not be able to talk anymore. And I think we got to that point where we couldn't talk anymore. We didn't feel comfortable talking to each other anymore. Because we knew what we were going to say to each other was going to hurt each other. You know, like, that that part of our relationship, for me, it got so bad and it hurt so much that I didn't even want to be in the same car with you. Because Mm -hmm. I knew that from the time... You picked me up from my house to when, or or like, you know, even when you were living with us, when we would go to school together, you drop me off. And then from school back home, that time was a time where anything could happen. Nobody could leave. We had to talk. Mm -hmm. So it got so bad that I didn't want to be in the car with you because I knew that you were hurting. And I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. And it got to a point where I knew that she knew that I was hurting. And I couldn't do anything about that either. That was the hardest part was knowing that you were hurt because I was hurt. But knowing I couldn't stop being hurt. Because no matter what I tried and no matter what I tried to do to stop my pain, it wasn't stopping. There were a lot of things that were said mm-hmm. and I know that you knew it I still didn't have the heart to tell you and I know that it was cruel to not tell you but my way of seeing it was that if I didn't tell you then you didn't have to acknowledge it and you didn't have to hurt more yep it's like this I think over the 
over the time of our relationship, I had learned a lot about myself. And in learning a lot about who I am, I also learned that I also learned how easy it was for people to break me. Before before committing to you. Because that's the difference, right? Nowadays, when people say... When, when people talk about love and the people talk about relationships and they say they want to commit to someone, you're not committing. Don't lie to yourself. Don't lie to the other person. You're not committing. You're committing to that one individual. That's not commitment. Commitment is a commitment to everything that she is, has, owns. That's her family. That's her mom and her dad. That's her sister. That's her brother. That's her dog. Committing to every single part of her life. So when you commit like that, it becomes very different now. It became, it, it became something that became a burden. And if you don't feel that burden, I don't want to say it's not love. But I want to say that you still have it too easy. Because in committing to you, I committed to everything that you were going to deal with mentally. I was committing to watching you grow. I was committing to guiding you through your growth. But then I also had to commit to the fact that I had to watch your sister grow. I had to watch your sister become a woman. I had to watch your sister go through heartbreak. And when she felt heartbreak, we felt heartbreak. I had to commit to the fact that if your mom wasn't there for the both of you guys, I had to be. I had to commit to the fact that no matter what was going to happen, I had to protect the both of you. Physically, mentally. The abuse, I had to be there. If you felt it, I felt it. That's what it was like. Is it very detrimental to my mental health? 100%. But that's what love is. Love is a sacrifice for others without asking for something. And we took that commitment. And, you know, at first you don't think anything is going to pay off. You don't think that what you're doing is going to pay off or anything. Because there was a moment in our, in our relationship where... I didn't know where it was going to go down. I didn't know if we were going to be together anymore. But we stuck it out. And I kept telling myself, no matter what, something is going to happen. Even when the worst of the worst happened, I stuck it out. And, you know, like, I'm very grateful for my parents as well, because they were my voice of reason. When I couldn't handle it anymore. Now you would know me. Like when I couldn't handle it anymore, I'd leave at like 8 o'clock at night. Drive two hours down to my parents. Talk to them, come back. And I'm very, I'm very appreciative. I'm very appreciative because it's led us to this moment where you and I, we are married. 
is our is our relationship with your mom any better? I'm not going to say yes and I'm not going to say no. But what I'm saying is that we do have your sisters back in our lives. And that we're making the effort. But now we're making the effort on our terms. Um, on, on our turf now. We are now just transitioning our lives into this independent this independent life that we've built for the both of us. When it comes to love, sacrifice, and depression plays hand in hand. It will always play hand in hand. No person's life is going to be perfect. But if, you know, people can understand that and, and, and stop expecting something from it, then you'll be fine. Because it's when you expect something that you become more depressed. You know, I worked hard to try and impress your mom. But the more I tried and the more it didn't happen, I became more depressed. Mm -hmm. So it just got to a point where, why do I try? And I stopped. And I felt better. Because now, it only matters to those that really care. You know, and that's something that, you know, we, we try to teach your sister all the time is it doesn't matter what your mom says. Listen to what she has to say. But if it's got nothing to do with anything, just throw it away. Live your life. Build a life for yourself. Our situation wasn't the best. It was very spur of the moment. And in doing so, you know, is our, is our, you know, is our current lifestyle perfect? No, but it's, it's, it was more perfect than it was when you were living there. It's, it's not as tiring, you know, like when you talk about, you know, you wearing a mask, I in suit had to follow, like yeah. I, I followed along in a sense where, you know, I saw that you were doing it and I was like, oh, like, you know, like I have to help, him. you know, like I have to try to do something to just make it a little better. And I was just tired of trying to be, you know, like also for myself too, you know, like my mom was everything to me. Yeah. You know, so I, I tried my best to be the perfect daughter for her, you know, I, but in doing so my mental health was was not in a great place <laughs> so you know being away and moving as as much as it sucked at the beginning because because i had to move away like that i'm grateful for it because i've never felt any better i'm in a I'm in a better place than when I was when I was there. You know, we both yeah. are. And I see, you know, like there are days where, you know, I know that it's, it hurts you the most. It doesn't go away. It's there. But it hurts you the most. But I can say that we're much better than when we were there. You know, like you don't have to put on that strong face anymore you know you don't have to always you know pretend everything's gonna be be okay you don't have to smile you don't have to 
you know, like pretend that, you know, there were times where, you know, we were hungry. Yeah. You know, like you don't have to pretend that, you know, you have money and, you know, like everything's going to be okay. Like we didn't have to worry about it anymore. You could be yourself and, and worry a little bit, you know, and, and just let go and breathe. Yeah. And that was the thing, you know, like what depression was very real to us. I knew it, you knew it, and people around us saw it. You know, I went from, at the beginning of our relationship, I went from being a hundred and something pounds to now 300 and something pounds. I went from being a very happy and chipper person to being a very, very abrupt and rude kind of a guy. I didn't. I have very bad mood swings that I'm still learning to control. I have anxiety that is like out of the out of the house with this. Some mornings I'll just wake up and I just want to close my eyes and never wake up. When I get into a car, if I feel that anxiety, I'll just get out of it and I'll just go back inside the house. That's just how bad my depression's led. But now, yeah, it's it's there. But we can slowly work on it. We have the the means to work on it. You know, it, hearing your mom call us fat for five years was hard. Because we weren't fat because we were eating. We were fat because we were so depressed. We weren't eating. Mm-hmm. There were days where you and I, we would just go without eating because we couldn't do anything. We didn't want to leave our rooms to talk to her, to be around her. You know, like it got so bad that I think we've gone almost 16 hours without eating and we were okay with that. Yeah. Like it got to that point where we would rather avoid eating, going downstairs and and having to pretend, you know, like we were avoiding all of that. We would rather just stay in our room and just, just do heck all. I couldn't, I, you know, it was just to a point where I couldn't keep pretending to be someone around her. anymore. It was, it was extremely hard. You know, it was extremely draining. But now that. We live on our own, and I can be who I am. You know, there are days where I'm depressed. And you know it, but you let me be depressed because at the end of it, I will pull out, and I will be okay. I will be fine. Mm -hmm. What I've learned from all of this is that it's better to just allow yourself to feel that way because if we don't, like how we did before, it's just going to hurt us more. Yeah. We're just going to end up being more angry. It's okay to feel whatever it is you're feeling. And this goes to everybody. Mm-hmm. Feel it. But at the end of the day, you talk have. about it. Exactly. Talk about it and get back up. You know, bounce back. You have to. You don't let whatever problem is there, don't let it get to you like that. 
it wasn't just it wasn't until recently that I could admit to myself that I was unhealthy mentally, physically, emotionally. And these are things that now we're trying to work on. But because of the damage that's done, you know, it's, it's so hard to work on. Mm-hmm. It, it's exhausting mentally because every time you try to work on it, a lot of those reoccurrences happen. Mm-hmm. But at least we're given the time of day to at least think about it and work on it mm-hmm. rather than having to suppress it and pretend all the time. You know, when we were going through our roughest, we had to still pretend that we were okay, that you and I were okay, because we had people looking at us. We had eyes on us, you know, to to try and be the best example. I think the only time that I had ever seen the both of us be the truest to ourselves was with your baby sister. And that was the first time I think your mom saw it too. Saw this side that she had never seen before. That she had never wanted to admit before. Mm-hmm. But for that child, we could be who we wanted to be. And be the truest form of ourself to that child. And in doing so, I'm so grateful because that child is so smart. So beautiful. So funny. <laughs> she has both of our humor. <laughs> she has she has the funniest laugh. She has the energy of, you know, what a child should have. Mm-hmm. But every time I look at that child, I realize that none of those features come from her parents. Yeah, you know, like, every time I look at her, I realize how much of an influence we had on her. You know, she knew her alphabet, but it was you and I who took time, you know, stuck those alphabet stickers on the wall. Mm -hmm. And then when she came back from her trip, you know, we sat there every day with her. You carried her up. And you went to that wall and you recited every single one of those letters with her. Yeah. You know, we would sit there and watch educational TV shows, even when we didn't want to. And then I believe this was for her first birthday or her second birthday. There she received it. Um, it was a it was an Elmo toy with all the alphabet. Mm-hmm. And you sat there and you went through all those all those letters with her you know like we even taught her how to say i love you with just simple words and she sees it now yeah. every time she sees it she knows you know she knew her own name too mm-hmm. even without knowing what the letters were we we say hey you know this is this is your name you know the she's so quirky and she's so She's so independent and she's strong because you showed her that. Whenever she fell, you would always tell her, you know, it's okay. Just, it's okay. Just smile. 
And she would, you know, now when she falls, you know, she giggles. Yeah. You know, that's how much. That's how much of an influence we have. on Yeah. I think. She really did change my life. You know, when people say, you know, like. You'll know when someone changes your life. Yeah, I knew. I knew the moment she was born. The moment I first held her, I knew. Because just the way she looked at me. Her dad wasn't there. And I knew that she needed one. When I look at you and your sister, I couldn't let her live the same life that you guys lived. I couldn't let that happen. I promised myself I wouldn't let that happen. Her dad is very old. But I promised, I promised myself that no matter what happened in her life, she will always have a big brother and a father figure so that she will never be alone in her life. Mm-hmm. That she will have family no matter what. That is why no matter what, you know, like there were days where you and I, we would come, come up here and celebrate with my parents, but we would take both your sisters. Mm-hmm. Because I want to give them what your mom couldn't. I want to give them family. Because that's what matters to me. Mm-hmm. To give them family means that they will never be alone. They will never feel what loneliness is. I never want anyone to feel what your dad went through and what your mom will go through. When I look at that child, I never want her to... I never want her to, to break. I never want that innocence to break. She will grow. And she will naturally start to understand the world. But until that moment, I want her to love the world. Love and enjoy the world. You know, like, when I look at that child, you know, like, when I look at that child, All of my fondest memories are with her. The first time she gave me a kiss. The first time she slept in my arms. The first time she would roll up at 4 a.m., open my door, and hop into bed with me. (laughs) The, The first time she would come drag me out of bed downstairs so that we could play. The first time she called me daddy. The first time... You know, all that stuff. The first time we took her out for a walk and she just started waddling and, you know, first time she was on a swing. These are first times that we got to experience that both her parents never did. That both her parents don't know what that looked like. But we did. We got to experience it. And I think that's why, you know, when when our parents tell us you won't understand until you have kids of your own. Yes, you know, like, I know the feeling we will have with our own kids will be different, you know, because we are going through those, you know, eight to nine months of experiencing every every worry, every pain that every parent has during that time. But 
all of those feelings have already like after all those feelings that you go through we've already gone through she might not be our child but she might as well be because we love her like one you Mm -hmm. know what i have for my sister isn't just as being her older sister you know the the love we have for her is so is different that's why i find it you know a little you know it's just a little funny when when people say you'll understand when you have your your own child because she really is like ours Mm -hmm. no i understand you know like now when i look at her and you know she calls for us I can see how much we made a difference in her life, you know, mm-hmm. and and it's those things that I'm so proud of when I look at her. I'm so proud of her, so proud of how happy she turned out, so proud of how healthy she is, so proud of how smart she is. Mm-hmm. Even know? if we're not there, you know, to be with her, you know, she she enjoys it when we just over the phone you know video calling her and keeping her company you know like Like, three hours she she's she's so happy when she sees us Mm -hmm. you know that's when we really got a taste of what life was like outside of depression outside of the bubble that we were stuck in for so long yeah you know it it was it was that light at the end of the tunnel for us. Yeah. You know, that baby. I don't want I don't want to say it this way, but you know, like she was not planned by her parents. But if this was God's plan for us, then I'm very grateful for it. Because it turned everything upside down for us. It made everything easier to manage and understand. At that at that moment in my life, I could reflect and look at everything and be like, it's okay. I'll be okay. And I, and I knew that. Oh, well, thank you so much for listening to these, uh, to this episode. Um, we hope that you took something away from this episode Uh, this episode was a little heavy but what we wanted to do was to shine light on to shine light on certain things that you may not understand as you go through your relationships and through your life through our stories we we've gone through it already and we we were still currently uh you know going through it yeah dealing with the aftermath of it but if you can learn from it and you can learn to manage your own emotions then we've done our job in teaching you so um This is your host and co-host signing off this episode. Thank you.